1: On Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how we have our interview with Packers receiver Jawil Davis tomorrow. Uh, he is a really interesting kid, and I think Packer fans are going to like him, so keep an eye out for that uh, tomorrow. And uh, as we head toward training camp, uh, I think we're going to be hearing more from him uh, and uh, just uh, just a name to keep an eye on, I think. Uh, today, though, I want to talk about a couple things related to a story that came out in the last few days about the NFL proposing, not just floating, proposing an idea to go to an 18-game schedule. And not an 18-week schedule because this is importantly different. Mark Murphy had some thoughts, and I think actually provided some clarity as to why the league wants to do this and and some potential workable structures that would make it possible to add games. But here is, let's start with the broader picture here first. 18 games is stupid. Stupid. 16 already feels like borderline too many. Now, I understand that ownership in in and around the league and that the administration in Roger Goodell's office and the higher ups, they've all agreed. It seems that the preseason product is bad because it is and there's no reason there should be four games. You're adding injury risk. It should be like two games and the, the starters, you know, the coaches want to keep it because it's a, an important evaluation tool, but franchises don't like it. Because it's an added injury risk. Players don't like it. Um, especially, at least starters don't. Fringe roster players might be okay with it. And then, you know, the, the the league, these games, they're not drawing incredible amounts of ratings. They're not doing huge revenue. The advertisers are not paying full boat for this kind of stuff. A lot of them aren't even nationally broadcast. So it's sort of like, you know, this is, this is an entertainment product. First and foremost. You know, JJ Reddick mentioned this on his podcast. He gets taxed as an entertainer. That's what he is. That's what the NFL is. The NFL is entertainment first. It is a product to be sold. Uh, we like to think about the purity of the game and the shield and protect the shield and all that stuff. It's entertainment. It's it's a, a movie. It's a it's a soap opera. And the companies that pay to broadcast it pay an extraordinary amount to broadcast it. So if the games are not being widely broadcasted, like preseason games, the NFL network has their games and then you get your local games, Some of them are, are hyper local, then what is what is really the value of those games to the NFL and really to the viewing public? Now, clearly, you know, Packer fans, They want to see their games. They want to see those preseason games. I'm I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't broadcast them. I'm merely suggesting that the value of these games would potentially be higher if there were fewer of them. If there were only two preseason games. Now, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to play the same number of snaps. So this idea that oh well starters, you know, they they would suddenly miraculously play more. No, the the team still needs to know who's going to make the roster, and. If you shorten preseason, you need to expand OTAs and mini camp, and the amount of time that teams can practice in the offseason because part of the problem is insufficient time not only to coach these players, but an insufficient time to evaluate them and evaluate them in pressure situations, in live situations because things are different. When you have live tackling, things just change. And a lot of NFL teams don't live tackle at all anymore. In practice, we—I mean—we could talk if we're talking about the Packers' defense at certain points in the last few years. We'd be talking about them in games as well. But so, what is you know important to the coaches and the and the front offices in, in terms of evaluating their players is having sufficient time to do that. More games means more time. The reality is, though, they know pretty close. I mean, they may not, from 90, they can get to 60 pretty easy. I mean, when I did my 53-man roster projections, it was not difficult to get down to 57, 58, somewhere in there. And then there's a group, and you're just sort of playing in those groups. There's a group of five guys that that are that could make or could not make the team. It, it doesn't take... That much time to figure out who those guys are, and and maybe you have some some tight matches, and you have those guys on the field a little bit more. Aaron Rodgers still not going to play, at least not going to play much. A series, maybe two. You're going to get your offensive line starters a little bit more, and it is going to hurt the guys on the margins, the guys trying to make teams. Someone like James Crawford, who really off the, on the backs of special teams play in preseason earned a spot on this roster and now is, is getting snaps on defense with the second team and is going to get a chance to prove himself for this defense, for Mike Patton. That is useful, not just for the team, but for the player. But we're, we're talking about this from the NFL's proposal of this. That means that there is a feeling in the league that they would benefit from more games, 18 games. Now, how would they benefit? This is not an evaluation question. This is no longer the preseason question. 18 games. Okay. So Roger Goodell coming around on a shorter preseason was really just his way of opening the door, say, oh, well, guys, here's what we're going to do. Fewer preseason games, more regular season games. See how that bait and switch works? So because it's not like Aaron Rodgers or David Bakhtiari or Devontae Adams is going to play any more or or is going to play any less and play more because they had two more games. Now, part of this ridiculous, asinine proposal was that you have an 18-game schedule, but players could not play more than 16. And even if, even if we gave the league the benefit of the doubt on this and they were going to make things like quarterback, kicker, punter, long snapper, if they were going to make some players immune to that rule, even if they were going to do that, it's a stupid rule. It's a stupid rule. Why would you have games where you are forcing your, your teams, your member teams in the NFL to not play their best players? This is something that the NBA is actively trying to stop from happening in their league where teams are sitting superstar players. And and why is the league mad about it? Because it hurts the product on the floor. This is an entertainment product. It is marketed as entertainment. It is sold and packaged as entertainment. And if it's not entertaining, it's a bad product. Now, I don't I don't want to call it a product in a way that is meant to imply a, a dehumanization of these players. I don't want to negate the human It is a product in the same way a movie is a product and that actors are a part of that product. It is the same way you go to a play or you watch a TV show. It is more akin to that. I, don't, I just want to be clear on this. The thing about extra games is it means extra money. It means extra money. Because you can charge at the gate. Now you're charging season ticket holders more. You're pocketing more cash from concessions, from parking, from all of the other ancillary things around the stadium that that the Packers are going to be running in the coming years. This is all more money for, for them and for every team, for Jerry Jones and all these dudes. But if you're hurting the product on the field, if you have a game that Deshaun Kaiser has to start, or you're going to turn on, you know, the Bills are already hard to watch. And now you're going to take Josh Allen, who is one of the reasons to watch because he's young and a little bit exciting. You're going to take that guy off the field? Tell me how that makes sense. Part of the offseason that we're going through now that teams have to go through is you have to sell your team to your fans. And, And when you're bad, you have to sell hope. Well, if Josh Allen is not playing, you can't, you can't be hopeful because it's the backup in and it hurts the product on the field. So if you're, if you're taking measures to put money in your pocket while making the product worse, that is just the worst kind of craven money-grubbing behavior because you don't care about the product. If you go if you support this as an owner to make money, you are putting your cards on the table by saying I don't care if the product is good for the fans. I don't care about player safety. What I care about is money. And the thing about that for the owners is if that is your idea and that is a way that you think is a smart one to run a billion dollar business, a multi-billion dollar business for sure, then you're going to hurt the product on the field and over time, over time, the NBA is going to eat into your market share and people are going to go to college football more often and they're going to watch other stuff because, again, this is a product and if your product sucks, listen, this is America. Capitalism reigns. If your product sucks, your customers are either going to find a new product or another company is going to create a better product and undercut you. And we aren't that far from the XFL. They're, They're coming. If the NFL is really serious about moving forward with a proposal like this that actively hurts its product, then they have never been more ripe to be picked in this case, then by an upstart football league that already has uh, teeth into networks, already has a uh, quality coaching and front office people in place, you're talking about a basketball league that is impossibly popular right now, that has become a 12-month-a-year sport, and you still have college football, which is provincial in a way that the NFL is not. The NFL is more about individual stars than college football. College football is more about your team, your squad, your banner. The NFL is like that too. But it's it's more dependent on stars to generate interest. This plan, if you want to go to 18 weeks, that's fine. And And think about the difference in money. 18 weeks versus 19 weeks, because if you're going to play an 18-game schedule, you have to have 19 weeks because you have to have a bye. You probably have to have two bye weeks. So now we're talking about a 20-week schedule? Tell me how that works. Tell me how that makes sense. Are they going to start earlier? Is this going to start pre-Labor Day now? Is the season going to run into mid-January? And now we're talking about mid-February Super Bowls? That doesn't make any sense. 18 weeks versus 17 now. 18 weeks and a 16 game schedule. Because you still get to fill all 18 weeks with content. You still get to fit all 18 weeks with product, with programming. You don't get to charge at the gate if you're a, if you're a team like the Packers, you don't get to charge at the gate anymore, but you get to split a bigger pie. Of TV dollars. And there's going to be a higher price to be paid for more content. And ESPN is going to have an extra week of shows because that that property is going to be so much more valuable once the season starts. Maybe, you know, if you if you push the season forward a week, pre Labor Day, now you've compressed the training camp cycle and you become more relevant earlier in the summer. You get people talking about football a little bit sooner because the season comes sooner. That's all stuff that is a potential benefit for the the league, but it makes sense. And because it makes sense, mm, they're just not interested.
3: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
0: one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store
1: now there is a a really interesting packers angle in all of this because mark murphy Has over the course of his career, as Pro Football Talk has has pointed out, been staunchly anti-expansion of the schedule. And seems to have... I wouldn't say he has done a full about-face, but in an article in The Athletic said he would be interested. He proposed a 17-game season with an extra game at a neutral site and one less preseason game. He he said he understood that an 18 game season where only 16 players or only 16 games could count for a player would be a hard sell for fans. That's what he called it. And he he's still talking about the player safety part of this. But what's interesting and here's the quote. I'm going to read the quote. There's some things that we can do in the season structure that would allow us to play more games at neutral sites either internationally or non-NFL cities that would help us grow the game. So they've talked about expanding the playoffs. That's something that could happen. I don't we don't need more playoff games. The international aspect. They love the London games. They love them. They love the Mexico City games. They love being able to move these NFL games and go into markets that there is not an NFL team. How fun would it be for the Saints to play a game in Baton Rouge with those crazy LSU fans? How fun would it be for the Packers to play at Camp Randall Stadium? There are, especially if you're going to try and suck in college markets. I understand the appeal of this. And then you think internationally. You could you could play in Paris. You could play in more than just London. You could play, there's there would, under these circumstances, almost certainly be a Chinese game, a Japanese game. Maybe you play in Australia. Probably not going to go back to Hawaii, but maybe. Obviously, that's not international. But there are opportunities here for stuff like that. And if that's what the league wants to do, if that's why they want to expand the schedule so they can play some more neutral site games, and we'd have to see how the revenue works and all of that because, you know, who is, is there, is someone giving up a home game? Well, no, we're adding a game. And so that gate, does that just go into the main pot? Does that go into, so that's a revenue share? Because that would be one reason why teams would be into it, because they don't have to give up a home game, which is their own gate, and then all that money goes into the pot, and they share it. Everybody wins. My question would be, how many places can you go? You know, the Mexico City game was a mess in terms of are they going to cancel? Are they not going to cancel? Where can they play if they if they are going to cancel, et cetera, et cetera. The London game. Is that's I mean, six hours on an airplane from the East Coast is far. And if you're a West Coast team, it's much further. Jacksonville, who always has to go, that's a, a much longer flight from Florida. It is a big ask on these teams, on the bodies of these players. Now, yeah, cool. You want to go play in Munich? You want to go play in in Italy and try and get some some European soccer fans interested. It would be a cool experience for players, that's for sure. And there is something to be said for trying to grow the game internationally. The NBA has done a great job of it. And I think the NFL is looking around and saying, why aren't we doing this? Why don't we have camps in China? And why don't we go to Africa and try and teach people the game and give them the tools to play? Why, Why aren't we doing more things to try and grow the game around the world? That's a that's a fair question to ask and I think a smart question to ask frankly why they haven't asked it sooner you know NFL Europe does not count right I mean that was a failure because it was in part because it was expensive I think that the danger you know that you run into in these moments is you know the the London games are a novelty and that's cool and a lot of fans come from around Europe they go to those games there's only a handful of those a season if the NFL played games in Paris and they played games in Munich and they played games you know in Milan and they played games you know in you know Argentina you know where Messi's from they're going to go to Portugal if they're going to go to Brazil number 1 are they really going to go to those places are there, are there fans that are going to go to those places? And once is the novelty enough to sell it around the world? And then I think perhaps more importantly here from a player safety standpoint, is the league going to be smart enough to say, we have to structure this in a way that gives everyone when they play these international games a buy afterward? And because you don't want to do it in the middle of the season or maybe you do maybe you do maybe that is the time to do it maybe you have you know an NFL all-star break and it's not really an all-star break but in the middle of the season in November everyone goes and plays a neutral site game and then everyone has a week off i just i don't think the NFL would do that but i think it it would make sense because the NBA does that and they take a week off and no one seems to care that there aren't games a couple nights. So if everyone went in the middle of the year and they got to go play and your team got to go somewhere cool and play and maybe you got to go follow them. If the, if the Packers got to go play in Rome, I'd be on the first flight. And I'm sure there are a lot of fans that are that are like me in that regard. Some of you are listening because you live in Italy or you live in France or you, li- I mean, we have an international show here. We have Serbian listeners. Shout out Novak Djokovic. Then you take a break, everyone comes back, and the season resumes. Now, that would make the bye week thing a little wonky. You'd have to go to the extra bye week. So you'd go to an 18 week season with 17 games. And then it's not technically a buy, so it's really a 19-week a season. I mean, that would have to be worked out. You certainly, if you're the NFL, don't want it week 17. You don't want it the last week because then you're going to get guys, you know, the, the point is to grow the game. And then, you know, if, if Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or, or Tom Brady is not playing, how much does that really help you as a product? It doesn't. So there is a way to make this work. I am dubious of it, but it's pretty clear what this is about. This is about money. This is about trying to generate more revenue, and doing it at the cost of the players. Doing it at the cost of the quality of the product. And you know, I wish someone like Mark Murphy had fought harder to say this is stupid. I do think there is an allure of neutral site games, the, the college football. There are there are a ton of fun, and they can be a ton of fun, especially rivalry games. You don't want to play, though. Packers-Bears are not going to move to a neutral site. So, you know, okay, Packers-Cowboys, that's a cool rivalry, but not everyone has a rivalry. So you, you can't do it that way. There are plenty of ways that we could improve the NFL schedule by doing some of the stuff that college football does, doing some of the stuff college basketball does, or that the NBA does, or that Major League Baseball does, for that matter. And the NFL is just not going to do it for the same reason we talked about in the first segment, because it makes too much sense.
2: Home, you were a lot more than just a home this year. Thank you for letting me eat all those meals at my desk or take all those morning meetings from bed. Make the office chair my midday nap spot, our area rug my yoga mat, and our closets into storage for all our anxiety shopping. Yeah, you wore a lot of hats, Well, we mostly wore sweatpants which now have their very own dresser drawer thanks to you. I know it wasn't always great. We accidentally killed a lot of plants, learned a lot of really bad dance moves, relearned a lot of fourth grade math, spent a whole month rearranging the office furniture every day, but you always gave us space to sleep it off. So thank you, home. At IKEA, we think home deserves more credit for staying organized even when life is messy, for keeping us energized, for boosting our calm, Home does a lot for you, which is why we want to do more for your home. Find new home office, bedroom, and organization solutions at IKEA.
1: Hey everybody, this is Jason Buckland and let me welcome you back to our podcast In Conversation with Shopify Plus. Now, season one was all about the biggest names in business. Steve Madden, Danny Reese, Chip Wilson.
2: But wait till you hear who we're talking to now for season two.
1: Philip Prim, CEO, Casper. Webb Smith, founder, 2PM.
2: Kyle Kadakia, founder, ClassPass; Heather Hassan, Trina Spear, co-founder, co-CEO, Thanks,
1: Chris Saka, co-founder, Lower Carbon Capital. R-E-L-K,
2: CEO, Parachute.
1: This is In Conversation with Shopify Plus. All right, we're gonna be back tomorrow for our conversation with Javale Davis, and you're not gonna to want to miss it. He is a really fun, really engaging young man, and I'm officially old because I called someone a young man. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, I, he's just—he's someone that that, frankly, I, I'm I'm gonna be rooting for just because of the way he carries himself. And uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm interested to get feedback on the conversation. I, I sent a, a note to my editor. At SB Nation, after I talked to Joel. we recorded this last week, and I said, you know, it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens because he carries himself like a guy who knows what he has to do to make this team. He has clear eyes about it, and he seems determined to do it. And and, and the kind of conversations he's having, he's doing the right things. Was mentored by Odell in New York. Is sitting next to Devontae Adams in training camp in these meeting rooms trying to get better, trying to grow his craft. And I, I think by the end of our conversation tomorrow, you are going to be rooting for him too. Alright, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Be sure to subscribe to Locked on Packers, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. I'm sure the questions are going to come fast and furious once training camp opens in just uh, just a little less than two weeks, if my, if my math is decent on this. So hit me up there, 920-341-3775. It's your best bet to always stay Locked on Packers.